0: Hello and welcome to the Feminine Profiles podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Baldwin. My intention for this show is to create a space for open conversations with women from all backgrounds, to shed light on stories of entrepreneurship, creativity, human potential, and self-expression. Join me here every week, for another dose of inspiration and a new feminine profile. Hello and welcome back. Today we have Lily Harris of Lily Feeds You, the popular Instagram page where she shares amazing recipes and her Kind of everyday lifestyle, but Lily is also a holistic nutrition practitioner. She specializes in thyroid disease and celiac disease after kind of addressing those problems for herself early on in her life. She's super passionate about gluten-free living and simple ingredients and going back to the basics. And she works with clients on goals ranging from IBS, blood sugar issues, hormone imbalances. Pre diabetes, but then also healing the emotional relationships with food and uh, your relationship with preparing your foods and teaching you how to fit healthy eating into you know modern day busy lives and feeding your families and all the things. So she's really an amazing support and resource for people who want to integrate more grounded food practices into their life and. I think she's just a great example of someone who is going back to basics and is teaching from a place of the wisdom that she learned through the journey that she went on. So we talk about her thyroid journey and her health journey and also her career journey because I think it's so great that she, and I didn't know this before we sat down to record, but she's super early on in her consulting journey. So we talk about that kind of overlap from her tech job and how she was doing both at the same time and how she slowly started to kind of phase out of that corporate job and more into her one-on-one work and now she's really having a thriving business in it and so while it's amazing to sit down with people who are years into their career and super successful and have all the, you know, finished products and you know, wisdom to share back, I think it's also equally relatable and helpful for people to hear what it looks like at the early stages because that is super practical information if you're looking to move into a similar career. So I really loved that she's really at the early stages, but going after it wholeheartedly and sharing openly with her instagram audience and really doing it from a place of creative inspiration like i think she just loves to cook for herself but going back to her food philosophy i am very aligned with what she shares and what she believes in i've mentioned it before but just how she focuses on whole food ingredients and going back to the basics and organic eating i think i get super turned off when People are drawn to these Instagram trends and fads where, oh, if you eat this one certain salad, it'll, you know, cure your hormone issues. It's like amazing. If you found a salad that does do that for you and you learned that for yourself through like trial and error and experimenting in the kitchen and cooking for yourself and listening to your gut instincts when you sit down for meals, I think that is amazing. And I would say, tell me about it, but I think the nature of Instagram and how it really tries to sell you quick fixes and there's areas of the internet where it really disconnects you from your intuition and listening to yourself and you're just inundated with stuff that works for other people without looking inward and also forgetting that simple is generally what works best always. I think we are in a world where there's just so much extra and so much excess and so much distraction and so much information out there where we kind of have a blindfold on to remembering what is best for our nature. And we forget how much we've introduced into our culture and our lives and our plates and our screens and our eyes and our minds. Like we forget how much we've added in the past what is it 60 years we forget how much we've overloaded ourselves and so this is just my personal belief but i think that returning to basics and i think there's really some people and places on the internet that remind you to do that and so that is why i've always been drawn to lily and her recipes and her lifestyle i think she just exudes calmness and comfort and stability and I think she's created a beautiful life for herself and she's still exploring, but I'm just drawn to those calmer, simpler places on the internet and also in my own life. So I really enjoyed this conversation and you can follow along with Lily on Instagram. You can work one-on-one with her, and you can also subscribe to her Patreon. So lots of places to connect with her, but I hope you enjoy this conversation, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: My name is Lily Harris. I'm a holistic nutrition practitioner, and I'm currently based in LA. I used to be in fashion. Basically, I think found my ultimate calling in health and love helping people really just build confidence in the healing capabilities that their bodies already have. I love food. I post a lot of food on Instagram. And that's really, I think, where the creative piece comes into me, ties into the type A side. I think I've spent a lot of years, mostly starting in college, trying to figure out my own health. And then I think with the intensity of a few moves in my mid-20s, my body really burnt out. I realized that I had celiac disease, which was the cause of my Hashimoto's disease. And I really became focused on getting my body healed. And during that focused time, I was working in trend forecasting. Mm. And it just became pretty clear that I wasn't satisfied doing that. I really wanted to do something that would leave some sort of meaning or help in some way and i felt that after making myself feel better and actually bringing joy to the healing process that i should explore that for sure
0: yeah and in that area or time of focus and i know on instagram recently you shared all those amazing journals that you know you took notes on healing and your own journey What kind of practices did you use to find that rest and find that focus? Oh my God, anything and everything. I think one of my biggest things as a
1: holistic nutrition practitioner now is I really just want to bring clarity to the healing journey and help people avoid the really endless amount of money that you can be spending as you're healing your body. I was doing a lot of yoga. I was journaling a lot. That journal that I pulled out and I just posted, I would love to give that younger version of myself a hug, honestly, because that journal was something I would keep mostly while I was sitting at my day job in trend forecasting. I would listen to podcasts, audiobooks, um, read articles online, anything that resonated with me or made me feel better Mm-hmm. Or open my mind to something I would write it down, and I think there is something really beautiful about getting to your health breaking point because you're just completely open minded like so open to anything that will help, and it made me a more empathetic, vulnerable human being, but that journal was definitely a big practice. I was cooking a lot at home, like all the meals that I was eating was at home. Um, I was trying to find the joy in it, so trying to have people over to eat the food with me. I mean, I lived in New York City at the time, and I think it can be really isolating not being able to go out and enjoy food because a lot of the fun there revolves around eating out and drinking and all those things, but my body just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to calm myself through activities like yoga, Try to feed myself at home and really just see what made my body feel good and try to invite people into my world of healing so that I could still have some joy and companionship through it all.
0: Yeah. Was part of your move to LA influenced by this journey or are you from LA? I mean, personally, I went to school in New York and I was very burnt out by the pace of everything, (laughs) the pace of just movement relationships, like everything felt like I didn't really have time to pause. And I moved to LA after graduating. And it really influenced a lot of my personal journey. So I'd love to hear about your move.
1: I am from Minnesota. So I grew up in kind of a middle ground. There's definitely city life there, but there's a lot of nature. So you can kind of pick and choose when you wanted to be involved in the noise or not. Um, And then for school, I moved to Rhode Island. I went to art school at RISD for fashion. And then I always wanted to go to California. I think through doing internships in New York when I was a college student, I just didn't get it. Like New York, I didn't understand it, truthfully. So I think the goal for me was always California, but it was just much easier to transition with friends, job opportunities and fashion and distance wise to New York after college. I lived there for a bit and then I still didn't get it. I was very overwhelmed by it. I had never lived in a place with so much going on all the time. And I started applying for other jobs and got hired to design children's wear at Target corporate in Minnesota. So I moved home for a few years and then finally made it to California, moved to San Francisco. It's such a beautiful place. It's probably one of my favorite places, but I, I am going to say that tech kind of ruined it. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back. I hope it comes back to life, but it was so expensive to live there. And all of my younger friends would end up moving because it was just so expensive to live there. So moved back to New York with my long-term boyfriend and stayed there for like seven years this time around. LA was a big, big decision for me. My boyfriend got burnt out on New York and it was just time to go. So now I'm here. I've been in LA for a little over a year and I can finally say that I really love it here. It took me a little bit, but I really love it here.
0: Yeah, I think there's really something for everyone in L.A. And, you know, some people say that it got kind of sleepy after COVID, but I've been back since I moved and I still completely love that city. So I would love to have
1: seen what it was like before COVID, because when I moved here from New York, I had a true shock in change of pace and it did feel very sleepy to me. But Mm -hmm. I'm starting to like it.
0: Yeah, I I love it. I love all the different neighborhoods and um, the mix of like city and nature. And I just feel like people are more accepting of different paces, different interests. So you were working in trend forecasting. And what was like the months or the weeks where you realized that you were moving into a different way of working and a different career? I mean, I know you studied at the New York Academy of Healing Nutrition. Was that the middle point between transitioning to working with clients or what did that timeline look like? I've worked in a lot of fashion jobs. I've hopped around a lot and I
1: am always really inspired to see how women who are older than me are living their lives. And this is no shade to them in any way. But whenever I looked around my different offices at middle-aged women still working there, in leadership positions, their lives were just very wrapped up in every little detail of like the business of fashion and the teams that they were managing. And they didn't seem to have a lot of personal time and they had to travel whenever asked. And I didn't see myself in that. I didn't see myself being satisfied with that. So I think after getting better and really feeling good about my health and my new ways of living. After celiac diagnosis, I decided to put myself back into school for nutrition in New York. I was working full-time, and so I had to find a school that I could go to on the weekends, and the Academy of Healing Nutrition was in person at that time, so I could go all weekend, go to school, and then all week um, work my full-time job which was another form of burnout, but one that I'm really, really grateful for. And then I really just wanted to start working as soon as possible. And my thought process around it was, I'm going to keep working my trend job until I can make the same amount of money a month in nutrition, and then I'll move on. But that was actually sped up because of this move to LA. So I probably would have been working my trend forecasting job for at least another year and they didn't allow remote work. So when I moved to LA, I had to quit that and just really jump in.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. So it's been kind of
1: recent. I graduated in 2020 from nutrition school. So I was working with clients on the side. I think the pandemic, as difficult as it was, um, was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because I could work remotely from home for my full-time job start working with nutrition clients as well and fit it all in.
0: Yeah. What type of clients are drawn to you? Is it people who see how you healed and worked through celiac and Hashimoto's and generally people who are working through those same autoimmune disorders or people who just need some nutrition inspiration in their life so they want accountability? What type of people do you work with?
1: I actually I just redid my website and thought about this a little bit because I love working with people with Hashimoto's disease. I love working with people with celiac disease because it's so familiar to me. And it's a very clear perspective that life can be joyful and exciting, even living with those things. But I really have kept my clientele very open. I want to work with people who are trying to solve a mystery symptom. I love, love working with people who are like, Lily, I'm going to have a bunch of dumb questions. I don't know anything about nutrition and really starting from the beginning. I love working with men who just haven't been taught to really care for themselves or it hasn't been normalized to really care for themselves in the same way. My clients are kind of across the board. They're mostly in like from their 20s to their 40s.
0: And they're really across the board right now. Mm -hmm. And when you realized you wanted to work with clients, you know, some people personally are dealing with health issues and they, you know, troubleshoot it themselves. They do the research, but they don't then have the urge to teach it to other people. What in you realized that you wanted to share it with other people?
1: I think my whole life I felt a little bit alien in the creative world. Like, I love fashion. I will. Geek out on fashion anytime. Um, but I've always felt more type A than the people that I was surrounded by. But when I'm in type A crowds, I feel more artistic and um, oddball. You're describing my life. <laughs> yeah. I've never really felt like I fit in in either of those specific types. And I think when I started just trying to cook for myself, make it enjoyable. I love food. So I think when I was healing myself, I figured out that that was kind of the perfect mix for me. It was the perfect environment where I could be creative with food, but type A in terms of why I'm applying it, why I'm choosing the foods that I'm choosing, why I might be feeling tired one to three hours after a meal, whatever it is. So I think I decided to go into holistic nutrition with kind of a joyful lens which made it feel
0: creative and then working with people you're like did you always have a love of like teaching teaching for me no to be
1: honest growing up i had to like tutor a lot of kids at synagogue on the weekends and it was my nightmare (laughs) i did not want to do it but i think when you are really really into something that you're teaching it's pretty easy to teach I just think I had never felt so excited about um, anything that I had put my attention on, not even fashion. So I kind of just knew that I needed to explore this for work because I would it's not getting boring. New research comes out all the time, new things to apply all the time, new recipes to try all the time, new clients all the time. There's a lot to explore. So I think really once I got into it for myself, I knew pretty immediately that I needed to change
0: jobs. Mm-hmm. As part of your holistic health practitioner training or um, schooling that you did in New York, is it all nutrition-based? Is it emotional, spiritual? Like, What other aspects do you bring to your clients?
1: That schooling was a mix of general nutrition, Chinese medicine, and Ayurvedic medicine. I think I've pretty much cherry picked the things that I find applicable for my education there. And then my education is never really over. Like I'm constantly trying to read research that comes out. I'm learning from my clients and experience with working with clients. And I use a little bit of all of that.
0: Yeah. What's something right now, like in your personal life for you that you're troubleshooting? I think I'm seeing kind of a collective not a collective burnout,
1: but I think people are feeling the need to move away from intense workouts, Barry's bootcamp, hit classes, spin classes. Not to say that those things can't be great sometimes, but I think mm-hmm. I'm trying to find ways to build in activity with them. One thing that I've really been loving, especially in my new york days as like a true bag lady carrying around like groceries from the farmer's market and my swim stuff and maybe sneakers like everything with me is called rucking and it's basically your workout is walking around with weight in your backpack Mm. and i think that as a city person and a lot of my clients are actually in new york i think it's a harder place to be healthy or it takes more intention it's a viable workout And so I think right now I'm trying to help people build ways to move their body
0: without feeling completely overexerted. How does caffeine come into play with that same theme of burnout? Ooh, I think caffeine is so
1: normalized. I have trouble with it. I -hmm. talk
0: to a lot of people that deal with anxiety.
1: I myself deal with anxiety. But because caffeine is so normalized, it's almost like something that no one will give up. And I'm not telling everyone to give up caffeine. I still drink caffeine sometimes, but I would love if everyone could tune in to how caffeine affects them throughout the day. I think every client is totally different. So I I kind of offer it as a opportunity for them to play detective and tune into how they feel, be open-minded. I offer other options, levels of caffeine, or just behaviors that can help the way that caffeine works in your body. But I, I really wish that it was more normalized to question our caffeine intake because mm. anxiety is so high across the board.
0: Yeah, I'm so, so sensitive to caffeine. I'm even so aware of how it affects me that like different roasts affect me differently if I get coffee from... One restaurant, and then I go to this cafe. I'm like, uh oh, that one is no good. Like, oh, no. even the roast level, the brand, the origin, like, and it's true. It feels like a chemical anxiety. Like, I know when I'm having like an emotional anxiety about an actual situation or emotion that's coming up because of things happening in my life versus a chemical anxiety where I just feel a spike. I feel like gut level anxiety that I don't know what it's from. I'm like, okay, that's when we can really look at diet and see what's causing this. But it's true. You have to play detective.
1: I'd love to have a cute little iced cold brew and like go for a little walk on a weekend,
0: but that's just my body can't handle it. And then same with alcohol. Alcohol causes me a lot of anxiety. So after my wedding in May, I've I've probably had three cocktails total, and it's a no for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I think this past year with my move to LA, kind of refocusing on my relationship and making new friends and really just starting fresh in every area of life. I've had more alcohol this year than I've ever had in my whole life, and I am... <laughs> so good on it. <laughs> so good. I'm probably always going to drink alcohol or as long as my body will let me have a little bit. But I think now that I have my routines back in place and I have friends and I have things are more settled, um, the socializing has to calm down for me a little bit. And I want to be able to wake up and go for a swim. I want to be able to not feel hungover. And I really, truly hate that anxiety feeling of, When you wake up after a night of drinking and you feel like you did something wrong, Mm -hmm. but you didn't do anything wrong, I hate that
0: feeling in my body. So
1: I try not to drink most nights of the week.
0: Yeah, that feeling is literally the worst. So, is there a difference between hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's? Hashimoto's is where your
1: immune system is affected. So it's an autoimmune condition, although, it is underdiagnosed, and a lot of people with hypothyroid do have Hashimoto's. So they're a little different, but very, very, very similar and often just underdiagnosed.
0: My mom and sister, I don't know if they have Hashimoto's, but they both have hypothyroidism. I'm in the clear so far, but one is on medicine and one is not. What is the level of like how much you can impact? the amount of medicine you take from diet? Like, Have you gotten people completely off? I'm not familiar with this area of nutrition, so I'd love to hear all things. Because I think a lot of women, especially in my life, have hypothyroidism.
1: Yeah, I think it's about one in three women deal with thyroid issues. There's so much that lifestyle can change in terms of really thriving with any thyroid condition, which is really cool. I think when you get a diagnosis of something like Hashimoto's, it can be immediately maybe disheartening. It can maybe feel heavy. It can feel like another layer of responsibility. But the way that I like to talk to clients about it is it kind of becomes a superpower because you're gonna have to get better at tuning into yourself, tuning into how every single part of your body feels mentally and physically. And I think that there's so much that can be done in terms of ingredients, in terms of blood sugar, in terms of scheduling your day, in terms of really every decision that can totally change the game with thyroid issues. I have no problem with thyroid medication. I take the natural pig hormone version of it because I've been on the synthetic version, and personally, it makes me very, very anxious. I, I've i never taken Adderall, but the symptoms are pretty aligned. It just can cause excess sweating, heart palpitations, literally pressure behind your eyes to the point that they bulge. Some people are on a very low dose, and they seem to be fine with it. I had half my thyroid taken out, so I'm going to be on thyroid medication for the rest of my life, but the natural desiccated pig hormone version has been good for me. I do believe that you can lower your medication by improving your diet and lifestyle. I have experienced that with clients. There's so many ways to balance out your energy levels throughout the day and feel more energy in general. And once you can get really good at balancing that and bringing that energy back back into
0: life, chances are you can lower your medication a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. What are your favorite ways engaging with your community and if you're ever interested in like adding
1: a cookbook, YouTube? Oh my God, there's so much I want to do. I think right now I'm a, I'm truly an introvert and I've never thought of myself on camera. Like even the way that I use social media right now, if you had asked me if I would be doing that five years ago, I would have been like, that's insane. So insane. I love privacy, but there's so much that I want to do because When I started nutrition, I was kind of looking at how other nutritionists moved around the field, the things that they did, how they posted on social media. And I just felt very, it felt very restrictive, very perfect and very whitewashed, to be honest. And I didn't want my Instagram, which is a business tool or it started out as a business tool for me, I should say. I didn't want it to come off as me telling someone that there's one way to do everything or that it's very strict or a bunch of rules to follow. So I think during the pandemic, when I was really growing on social media, I was just looking at people's food online, not nutritionists, but I was also just looking at people cooking food and more people were cooking at home at that time. And so I thought about it a little bit and I was like, okay, cooking food brings me the most joy out of anything in terms of health, so why not lead with joy and post the food that I make at home? And I think that lens, taking some of the pressure off of nutrition was my approach to it. And then as I kept doing that, people wanted my recipes, which I was honored because I'm just cooking. I'm not trained to cook, I'm just cooking at my house. So I started my Patreon to share. I started with one recipe a month, and that was just so cool. That was so cool because it was my first opportunity to really, besides creatively problem solving with clients, it was my first opportunity to really introduce creativity back into a more type A work that I had chosen my patreon has grown a lot it's so fun for me it's really really fun for me i think it's become a community of just people who want to enjoy health in their homes and feel a little bit more confident in the kitchen as an introvert who would years ago i've never really wanted to use social media i love it now i love instagram it's literally how i make friends I love that if I can post what I'm eating for lunch one day, that someone might want to make that tomorrow instead of getting something that maybe doesn't make them feel good. I love it. I think it's a really powerful tool. Um, I try not to be on it too much. I I try not to endlessly scroll, but I really love the community that it's helped me build. I would love to get on YouTube. I haven't gotten over my fear of YouTube yet, but I would love to. (laughs) I would love to.
0: How do you schedule your days from, you know, recipe making, or I'm sure you just cook for yourself and then share that with your audience? A lot of this is logistics of working with clients, posting on social media, having time for yourself. What does like a typical week look like?
1: This is something that I'm really honing in on right now. This is my first year working for myself. I've had a corporate job my entire adult life. And... I didn't really expect it to have such a big impact on my mental health. In a positive or negative? It's not really a positive or a negative, but I think because I had such a rigid schedule working in corporate for so long, like I'll give you an example of what my day looked like in my last job. I had flexible hours and I love to maximize what I can get done in a day. So I would wake up at five get into the office by 7 a.m. During my lunch break, I would sneak away. And because my job, I had a lot of meetings around the city. I could kind of be, I could kind of push it, which they didn't really know, but that's okay. I would go to the gym during my lunch break. I would swim, sit in the sauna for a little bit, go back to work until four, go home, cook dinner, work on nutrition, go to bed, start that all over again. So there wasn't any wiggle room. My days were really planned out and they worked really well. So when I started working from home and I had to plan out my days, there were a lot of other things going on in my life to be fair and socializing. I kind of made it my part-time job because having a community is really, really important to me and having friends is really, really important to me. So my schedule was pretty much loose. It was kind of like whatever, whenever um, for the last year or so. And then I did some traveling and working back in New York a little bit. So really it's been a year of me exploring what a schedule and what a life could look like. And now I'm setting up my day a little bit more efficiently. I joined a gym, which I love. I love being a gym girly, I love it. And I'm just realizing that I do work really well within the structure, so I wake up now early I leave the house, I go to the gym, I swim, I sit in the sauna, come back home. I'm pretty much home by like 8 a.m. and then make breakfast, start prepping for clients that day, have client calls, have a lunch break, have client calls, and then make dinner. Um, The days that I don't have client calls, I will work on recipe development or if I'm doing like a social media collaboration or anything like that. That's what those days are filled with. But it's been a year of completely no structure, which was tough on my brain, but ultimately really, really good for my brain to figure out what I work best within. And I am just a lady of routine. I thrive on routine. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And what would you tell people who are moving into, you know, working one on one with clients and moving into that kind of entrepreneurship, one on one work? What should they expect in their first year? What are like some pros that you felt, some cons?
1: I'm kind of a slow mover, or at least I consider myself a slow mover. I probably would have stayed in my full time job longer because I love comfort and I love stability. So I'm not someone whose parents could ever support me by paying my rent or I had no fallback. So for me, I just knew that I always had to work and explore whatever else on the side until that could be my work. But we see all these people jumping into working for themselves online. And I think there's a deep pressure to be immediately successful in whatever you're doing. I'm really still figuring that out for myself I think I'll be restructuring my nutrition business and my recipe development for a while. I'm not in a rush per se, but I think I would tell people that there's no rush. I also really firmly believe that you can have a new career or a new life change at any point in your life. Like, I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think you could be in your 50s, 60s and decide to do something different And I think there's no rush. I think there's a lot of pressure to rush. This is a personal preference maybe, but I think it's better to explore while you feel safe and secure and dip a toe in and see if you want to do it.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. I think the theme of like exploring and exploring through joy instead of exploring through pressure. Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you feel like you have a timeline and you have to hit – $10,000 $10,000 a month by month three, like you're bound to fail because you're not moving through it with the ease and comfort and confidence that succeeding requires, I I feel like.
1: I think there's an overall energy of like, maybe to summarize it, I would say going viral. Like I think people really want to be immediate successes these days. And that's amazing. If that happens for you, I love that. That's meant for you. But I also think... I have a very practical lens on life and some might call me boring and and risk averse, but I like approaching things thoughtfully, testing the waters and taking some pressure off so you can kind of explore what you actually like. And I kind of say that from a perspective of someone that my parents are both artists, so I think it was easy for them to support me in going to art school. But even then, I knew that I wanted to go to a, a liberal arts school that also had art so that I could kind of try both. But I didn't do that because my parents were kind of like, well, you should just go for it. So I did. Um, and I have no regrets in doing any of that. But I think now when I approach work in nutrition, I am going to trust my gut and kind of try try things out before I make the jump full time into a career change or changing how I run my business pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Do you feel any like pressure that you can't pivot now that you feel like an audience knows you? And you know, sometimes I feel like you think that you're pigeonholed because of the way you show up online and you might not feel this at all, but thinking that I can't share something because people are used to seeing other things that I share. Like, do you still feel that? Honestly,
1: the longer that I'm on social media, the less I feel that way, which is a really positive experience. Like, I think, and maybe my experience on social media is different, but I think because of the content that I share, I try to make it as welcoming as possible, that my community on social media is a pretty welcoming bunch. Like, It's so rare that I get any sort of mean message or hostility in general. The more that I share of my life, which is something that I actually I have a lot of conversations with people about all the time. The more of my life that I share, the more people want to see, which is a beautiful because I think people love watching other people live. I think people feel seen. I think people can relate to things. Um, But that boundary is something that I think about now, like how much can I share? But I do think that I can the longer that I'm social on social media, the more I feel like I can pivot. For example, I did work in fashion for a long time. I'm always going to love fashion. And I've kind of started to share a little bit of that and what that looks like now in my life as a nutritionist. Like I'll share my outfits on Instagram now and it's fun for me. Mm -hmm. I love that. The longer that I'm on social media, the more I realize that it's not that serious.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great reminder. With that, I think what you said about you can always start a new career like in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I think it's that same thing of it's not that serious. And and also remembering that like there's something amazing and rewarding and stable and comforting about having a stable income. Know what's best for you. Like what level of comfort do you need? I'm very pro risk. So I would love to be a little more like you.
1: I am. I love stability. I think that there is pressure to not work a nine to five job now. <laughs> Maybe it's just the bubble that I live in. But like a lot of my friends are creative. The fact that I worked a nine to five job or like a normal study job for so long, it was like they didn't understand why I was doing it. But I think that a lot of people thrive in those environments and there's nothing wrong with that in any way. I think a lot of people like to have work that is work and they like to do other things on the side. And that's great. I think there's a job for everyone. Yeah, I would never knock a nine to five job.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. There's something for everyone. Well, thank you so much. I love this conversation and I just love how you just shared a new perspective about patience and creating offerings through joy and I mean I personally learned a lot and I'm going to take away patience and (laughs) infusing some calm into my life from this conversation thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Lily Harris if you enjoyed this one I would so appreciate if you rate and reviewed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and if you subscribed as well. I will be back shortly with another feminine profile, but in the meantime, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.